Hello and welcome to the Future of Australia podcast. Here I interview the entrepreneurs running the fastest growing businesses in Australia. These interviews will be around the themes of entrepreneurship, new ideas, business, innovation, capitalism and successful enterprise being the motor that will drive Australia forward. I will be telling the stories of the people who are making it possible and as they grow and strive further will become a bigger and bigger part of Australia's future. My name is Derek Stewart, your host and the founder of Future of Australia. Check us out at futureofaustralia.com to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter, get exclusive content and ensure you never miss an episode. For questions or comments, email me at derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404-689-897. Welcome to episode 22 of the Future of Australia podcast and the start of season three. In this episode, I interview Bo Savage, the co-founder of Smart Energy, a solar panel company. We cover how he and his best friend went from sleeping on the floor of their warehouse to save costs and door knocking during the day to get clients to having 200 plus team members, building a national brand and expanding beyond solar panels. He had a grew 83% last financial year, did 40 million plus in annual revenue and became the third fastest growing new business in Australia. If you're interested in solar panels, check out smartenergygroup.com.au that's S-M-A-R-T-E-N-E-R-G-Y-G-R-O-U-P.com.au. So I'm here with Bo Savage, the co-founder of Smart Energy. Welcome to the podcast, Bo. Ah, thank you very much. Uh, happy so, to be here. That's good to hear. So, so can you tell us what were you doing before you started Smart Energy? What did you study? What type of companies or roles were you working in previously? Um, well, when I initially left school, um, I was good at maths and you know, I, played, I played football, soccer um, for a pretty good standard. So, you know, strangely enough, I just went into accountancy. Um, <laughs> and I, I think I probably completed, which is a bit of a trend for me. It, well, it didn't get completed um, <laughs> because I felt like I was um, wasting my time, uh, which, you know, is a bit of a... Bit of a bit of a shame looking back now that I probably would have liked to have finished that off. But uh, left left college for the first time uh, and then went back to college and was just in and out of of random like random jobs mm-hmm. uh, all the time. Uh, went into college again, this time to do uh, fashion and design mm-hmm. uh, because I wanted to have a clothes shop. Uh, mainly in vintage clothing. You know, my dad's an antiques dealer. Um, when I was young, you know, from a very young age, I was always going to antique fairs um, with him, uh, you know, learning how to communicate with all different types of people. He would go off looking and hunting for treasure and I'd be stood on his stool at the age of, say, eight or nine, um, you know, exchanging, you know, a few hundred pounds here and there with with people, you know, at, at at an antiques fair, which was, which was probably a great introduction to, you know, uh, being able to communicate with people and, and um, all different types of people. Hmm. But, yeah, so I, I did fashion design because I wanted to have a clothes shop and then within, you know, a little bit of time of doing the design course, I realised that, you know, I could definitely just, I didn't need to, you know, go to college to be able to do that. 
Um, so I initially started a online eBay business just doing it that way. I would go to, you know, I would go to all sorts of thrift stores and, and car boots and, and whatever else and um, pick up whatever I could um, at those fairs and sell, sell them online. Um, used to love doing that, made a bit of money and it, you know, got me through until I was about 19 and a, um, a close friend of mine was selling energy door to door, which I um, was very like, apprehensive at first because he, he pitched me for the role. Mm. But my mum worked for the same company, but in customer service. So it was quite, you know, a, yeah, it was quite cool to do something like that. And it's just maybe, maybe just see how it goes. Um, I ended up working, I've worked an hour in energy from that moment until now, pretty much give or take, you know, a few breaks here and there, trying other ventures, um, which is something, you know, quite common uh, throughout what <laughs> my, uh, my career really. Um, so yeah, energy started at 19, just going door to door, selling the services of an energy retailer. Um, you know, at 19 years old, you try stuff, but you know, I was really good at it pretty quickly. And what was that like? I mean, a lot of people, they, they you know, because door-to-door sort of sales companies always recruiting, a lot of people barely last a day or a week and they hate it, you know, too many doors slammed in their face to, you know, commission only. Did you sort of succeed from the first day or did you just enjoy talking to people? What was that kind of door-to-door as a teenager selling energy like? Well, it's quite funny. I reckon I've had between 25 and 35 jobs in my life and smart energy has been uh the one which i've been with the longest mm-hmm. but the second two longest jobs i've had the first one was my first that first job uh with with uh, sse in the uk and my second longest job was the second energy retailer i worked for door to door in the uk so it's funny that there's such a high churn of staff mm. in those jobs but they were the only ones really i've managed to um to be able to hold on to if, if that makes sense. And I think the reason why it's so difficult is people are scared of no's. Mm-hmm. Um, people are scared of um, are, are scared of people, yeah, being rude to them, whatever else. But people are rude to you in every everyday life anyway. Um, people, everyone gets rejection at some, at some part of their life. Um, and I guess understanding... Uh, the psychology of it a little bit more from when we initially started. We were trained on psychology of sales, not on, mm-hmm. you know, how to sell. Um, and understanding that if you have, you know, using KPIs in order to hit your targets and the, the classic cliche saying is, you know, every no gets you closer to a yes. Um, mentality was embedded in, in me straight away from when I first started. And always striving to try and be the best as well. Um, you know, the people that were doing the best were heavily, um, were rewarded, um, not just financially, but they were, you know, put on a pedestal. And, you know, that was something that always um, appealed to me, you know, at a young age of, of, of being successful to people around, like the people around you, because that's, that's who you care about most. Um, and it's something that, yes, yeah, stayed as well. 
And who sort of first nudged you or what nudged you into accounting? Like you said, you're kind of interested in numbers, didn't know what you wanted to do. How did you sort of get pushed towards accounting? Was that mix of business interests and numbers or how did that sort of start? I guess you don't know you're good at sales until you do it. Okay? Mm. That's the truth. You can, be, you can be Jack the Lad, you can be a you know, good talker and, and whatever else, but it doesn't, still doesn't mean that you're going you're gonna to be successful at sales because you, know, you might not like rejection still, even mm. though you're a good talker or, or whatever else. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, that there's a, there's a number of different reasons why, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and so you sort of fell into the energy industry. You, you enjoyed it. You liked it. Then, like you said, you worked for some other energy companies. Um, and then what made you want to start your own business? Was there a specific event or a moment, uh, something happened that triggered you wanted to do it? Was it a long-time dream from when you were young and working in your dad's business? And what was that journey like once you actually started? Well, I started a clothes shop when I was 20 years old uh, in Portsmouth, um, where I'm from. I went on a holiday. I've been, you know, I went through the whole, you know, I did my own accounting, accounting which is why I started in accountancy. Um, you know, I wanted to learn about, you know, the hard parts of the business or bits of the business I wouldn't already know. So um, especially, you know, the accountancy side, bookkeeping, was was pretty pretty big for me to understand um, at that time. Um, do you want to just what was the initial question? Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. So so it sounds like you really like I said right from the start you wanted to sort of have your own business. I guess you, you didn't have a dream of working in a big corporate office or um, you really wanted you had your own store, you had your own shop, and, and you, you that was I guess was there never any other question in your mind that you were always going to be, sort of run your own thing in the long run, and that's why you started with the, the clothes business. I think that, yeah, that was the reason why I started in the clothes business and also seeing my dad be able to, you know, run things how he wanted to, uh, make changes if he wanted to. Um, but it's very difficult in the UK to, or I found it very difficult in order to get out of the rat race. Um, I wanted to move to London. I had the clothes shop for a little bit and uh, I decided that London was going to be where I wanted to make my, make my move. And, you know, that's a real... That, a real important part of my life moving to London because it is such a difficult city to to make something of yourself. Hmm. One, there's so many people in the first place, um, and you know you you need you need money in that city. Hmm. Um, financially, you know, went through some um, some good times in in London, but also some bad times. And you know, any everyone that has been or has dipped their toe in and out of London will know exactly what I mean when I say it's a very difficult, yeah, it's, it's just a very difficult city to, to, to make something of yourself. I was, I went in and out of so many different jobs because I had to make that snap decision on taking a role because, um, you know, I needed, I needed to pay my rent. I needed to, mm. you know, make those, um, tough, you know, tough choices when it came to taking a role, which, being the way I was, some of the jobs I didn't really stick at for too long because I didn't really see them as um, I was. I felt like I was wasting my time, so I was constantly in and out of changing jobs, and yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty mad times in London. Okay, and and then how did Australia sort of come into that picture? Was that again something you stumbled into? Something you always were interested in visiting or, or moving to? Or? My friend helped um, with Red Energy when they first started. 
um, back, I guess I was probably about 22, 23. And my friend was over here saying, come over, you know, it would be, you know, enjoyable. But at that time, I think I'd just taken a job in the city in London. And I think I, I just felt like I didn't want to go back to doing door knocking. Mm. Uh, doing, got working in working in that sector again because at this stage I was working in energy but over the phone mm-hmm. and I had a good job and, and everything else but a few years later the opportunity came up again and it was toward, it was obviously the tail end of me living in London but I, had, I didn't go back to my hometown before I moved to Australia um, the guy that initially said I should go over was back in the UK but they were doing another recruitment drive to the UK mm-hmm. um, because they had success at it before. And I just thought, you know what, I'm 28 years old. It was more of a, you know, this is just an opportunity for me to not go and have some fun because I was going to go straight into work, but just to test myself in a different country and just see, you know, I could have given it six months and that was the initial thought. Mm. Let's go there for six months and let's see you know, how it goes. And yeah, we, and, and yeah, we, I made that, made that decision to, to do it. And to be honest, we've not really, not really looked back any of us that, that, that came over at that, at that moment. Um, Myself and Elliot, two months apart from each other moving over here, um, my co-founder. And now looking back, you know, the timing was, was was crazy thinking thinking about it now so you two were, were friends over in the uk and then you moved to australia together to work at the same company and then went out sort of on your own is that how it sort of played or yeah so elliot's five years younger than me so i moved to london when he would have been say 13 so our, our dads are best friends mm-hmm. uh they were in a band together from the early 80s until the year I was born, uh, 1987. And they were a punk rock band and, you know, they were, they were, they were cool. They all had their own random name, like, you know, uh, Georgie Wipeout was one <laughs> of the guys. But they were called uh, Ian and Ricky Sonic. So they were the Sonic brothers. Um, and I didn't really know Elliot as an adult. But when I moved to Australia, I heard that he was working for Red Energy, which is the company I was coming over to work for. Mm. And he'd been there about a month. And then I walked in uh, to the first day at work and he's, you know, he sat there as well. Funnily enough, it was in Wagga Wagga um, in October 15. And myself and Elliot, you know, from that moment, we, we just became, we became like brothers. Mm. Um, you know, we had that bond from our fathers from the same town um yeah it was it was yeah we had some good fun but meeting Elliot again I always knew that he had a good business brain um his sales at that stage he wasn't say completely developed uh, in his sales technique at that stage but he we, we def- he definitely is a, the, one of the fastest learning people I've ever met and and together we we kind of helped each other to get to the next step, which obviously, you know, we did. 
And, and that step was to go from being working as an employee at Red Energy to starting your own company, Smart Energy. And what sort of, again, what was the moment that you made that transition from being well, an employee at, at that company to sort of uh, wanting to start or starting your own company? I guess always working for other for other people, it's it has its benefits and you know pluses and minuses, whatever else. Um, getting a paycheck every week without, you know, is is quite nice sometimes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, have not having to take huge risks, I guess, is nice for some people. Um, but I was always a bit of a risk taker anyway. When when times were good, I was always looking at you know what I could do to make it better. Mm. Um, never really striving to just accept for what I've got right now. Um, and when it's your own business, you can, I can make a change tomorrow, now, you know, next week if mm. I wanted to. Um, and I think that's what excites you the most, most because you've got to, you've got to be fast moving. Um, in when you when you have your own business, you can't just continue doing the same thing all the time. And, and that was what always always interested me. Um, yeah, and and we we. I'd worked in energy for a long time. Elliot had worked in and out of energy for quite a while, mm-hmm. but neither of us really had worked much in solar. So we thought we'd give um, solar a go working for a company for a little bit. And we realized the, the, the pain points from customers from knocking on their doors, talking about energy bills and seeing how high they were. And we saw a few people that had solar and they were really happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it. You know, they paid for it with the savings that they made from having the system there. So effectively, they weren't out of pocket by putting the system on the roof, which, you know, really, it just sounded like a great idea that we could then go and do this maybe door to door and generate appointments and make sales. And, and that's, that's, that's how the business started. We found a company to work for for a little bit mm-hmm. just to understand it a little bit more. But the goal was always to to go on our own and, and, and give Australia a real crack at that stage because you know, we were enjoying ourselves here and we'd, we'd done okay up to that point. But mm-hmm. we had a lot of people here feeling the same way. They wanted to try something different. And the, 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 the climate reason for solar is huge, massively important, but... Most people in Australia, they're more worried about, you know, their cost and, and how much they're paying and, and that kind of freedom that solar can provide as well as savings, as mm. well as an envir- a good cause environmentally. I think when you put all those three things together, you know, it's like giving to charity but benefiting from it for, mm. the, for the customer. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And, and so you've come to Australia, you've met up sort of almost with like a long lost friend, so to speak, who you've sort of become close with. You, you've learned the solar game as a sort of, I guess, sub niche within the energy game. Um, and then you've started, you're in a new country, running your own business. What was that first six or 12 months like? Maybe even though you've run some businesses before, but in a whole new continent, different side of the world, different um, place with their business partner versus solo. What was that early experience like of Smart Energy? The me and Elliot both are very. Um, we could kind of we're happy to live anywhere. We're not those sort of 
people that want to live in the you know, penthouse in the middle of wherever. Is that not something that interests us or, you know, that, that kind of lifestyle has never interested us. So when me and Elliot started, we, we flew from Melbourne where we were working um, to Byron Bay and we were going to initially look at somewhere on the Gold Coast to set up the business. Mm-hmm. But, you know, both of us wanted to kind of hang out, spend some time together and, you know, create a you know, website, an idea, and just try and see, you know, how we were going to initially set it up. And it was just before, it was November 2016. So we'd, we'd both been here just over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we created the website and then we thought, well, now we need to find a warehouse. So rather than go up to the Gold Coast, we thought, well, let's just go and have an ask in Byron whilst we're here. So we went to a few real estate agents and they were like, no, there's nothing available. You, you'd be lucky if you find anything here uh, at this time of year especially. So we thought, well, that sounds like one no. Let's go and get a few more. So we walked around the, the industrial estate, the arts and industrial estate in Byron Bay. Uh, obviously, if anyone's been there, they'll, they'll know exactly what it's like. Some people live in their places. Some people, you know, and, and there's some obviously some big, big, big companies come through in that, in that industrial estate as well, like Stone and Wood and yeah, various other tripper deal. So we went and knocked on a few warehouses, a few doors, because that's what we were good at, mm-hmm. uh, asking people um, if they had any, you know, any, any space available, anywhere we could use. And, yeah, we got a few no's, but then we knocked on a random uh, warehouse where some people were moving their stuff out um, and they were moving over the road into a, into a bigger warehouse. And we just asked the owner and said, look, is there any chance we might be able to, you know, move, move in? And initially said no. Um, and he said, well, what do you do? And as soon as I said that it was solar, mm-hmm. he said, oh, I've got solar. It's, oh, I love it. And he said, well, actually, I, do you know what? Yeah, I think, I think I'll give you guys a go. And that was quite funny that that just showed us again that we were probably making the right choice. Mm. If a random guy says no to two you know, young chaps walking up to his two English you know, guys, uh, walking up to a random warehouse where no one, um, where, where, where he wasn't willing to really give it to us, to just change completely because we were talking you know, because of the industry that we're we're working in or looking to make a success. That's it. So that was the initial part. So getting the warehouse, building the the company back end up. Mm-hmm. But at that stage, we also needed somewhere to live. So us being us, we've got a warehouse. So what's the point in paying rent somewhere else for somewhere to live? So we went. To, I think we went. to Woolies or Coles or something like that, and bought two blow-up mattresses, and <laughs> you know, uh, and we slept in the warehouse. And whilst when we first started, we had to build a network of install- installers. So the first part was finding installation companies to work with, but also we had to purchase panels, inverters, and everything else. So we put all our money together and bought as many pallets of solar panels as we possibly could and then that's when you know, it all started uh, the, the classic buy two you know buy two sell two buy four you know mm. yeah exactly that way just kept multiplying and when we first started it was just pretty much me and Elliot and gradually 
more and more of the people that we'd worked with previously, you know, believed in what we were doing. Um, and I'd say that was a huge, you know, that was the massive part of the business is it's easy to grow when you have people that believe in what you're doing and believe in you. And it's something that you find that's difficult when you hire somebody that isn't a referral or somebody you don't know. Mm. So I'd say the initial part of the business being a success was that growth um, trajectory that we could grow as, as you know, really, really fast. Um, so that was the initial setup of the business, you know, when we started. Yeah, and so you, you have grown extremely fast, including 83% last financial year. You've done over $40 million in, in annual revenue, making you the third fastest growing new business in all of Australia. Uh, so obviously, congratulations on that. But but so you, you've mentioned the early momentum, the early start, the, the sort of the scrappiness, building up your friends, getting people in. But then what was that rapid growth like where you've really hit success, which is great, but you, you're also scaling at an unprecedented speed. What was sort of the good and bad of that rapid growth as well as the, the driver behind it? Well, the best part when we first started was, you know, we were quite fluid. I'm not, I wasn't tied to anywhere in particular. Um, neither was Elliot and, and neither were a lot of the people that were working with us. So, we were, we were in Byron for about six months and we dipped our toes in doing a few away trips. We went to like Inverell, you know, Tenterfield and, and tested um, doing installations outside of uh, like a, a home area mm. and that went pretty well. Um, we did that and then I decided to move to Newcastle. It was between there and Sydney as the next, next move. And we set up off our office in, um, in Newcastle. I moved there and took a few people with me um, and did the same thing again, living in the warehouse, uh, trying to just recreate what we'd already done because it worked well before and it, we created a, a bonded sort of team that was really tight and, and, and were friends of, e- friends of each other. So we just emulated that again and then once we realised how quickly we could do it again, instead of it being six months until we opened the next office, it was like three months and then that was Sydney. Uh, then we opened Central Coast. Then we opened Wollongong, Perth, Melbourne, Adelaide. And then, you know, we just, we grew that in that way. But one of the things that kind of held us back at one stage was having a sole, you know, contractor to, to do all of our work because mm-hmm. the difficulty there was always going to be when you do grow to other areas, how does somebody work as a contractor in multiple multiple locations? So we um, we managed to figure out a way to to make that work, which is when we 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 brought in Jasper uh, to the to the business. He'd done some work for us at that point, um, mm-hmm. you know, back end work, very um, very very good businessman, entrepreneurial. Um, and I'd say myself and Elliot, um, you know, both wanted to get him involved um, in some way. And having him having implemented working on Salesforce and various other programs before, he helped scale the installation side of, of our business, which was, you know, which was gold really. Um, and that's what that's what helped us with some extra you know, the extra growth. Like we had the 
we knew how to we knew how to sell it and we knew how to run the business. We just it was the installation side that we you know always needed to to understand a little bit more. And I think at that step, we went from being you know a lot of companies saw us and just thought we were just a sales marketing company. Mm. And I think at this stage when this happened and when we scaled and hired Mark Hickley, um, we became not just a sales company, we became a retailer installation company all rolled in together, you know, a full service solar company. Uh, so to say in that, in that respect. So it was a crazy time. Um, it has been quite crazy, but now I've moved back. I moved up to Byron again for a little bit, and now I'm and now I'm back in Sydney, looking at you know the next stage of smart energy, which is not too far away to to start. But it's already underway. But yeah, and you mentioned obviously there's a lot of solar companies, and you know it's a compelling uh, proposition for the customers. So, what yeah. differentiated you from maybe some uh, alternative, especially when you were small, a lot of small companies? Now you've sort of accelerated I guess past many of them and you have that sort of cachet but before you had that in the early days what was the differentiator between you and and someone else knocking on the door or calling them up or you know uh, speaking to a homeowner who's interested in solar but is trying to pick between providers installation companies generally um you know they they're the ones that have been that they're needed for the business obviously for for the industry obviously but Mm. their background is solar and electrical work Okay, or well, uh, you know that side of things. Whereas when you come from an energy retail um, job, which I did, or an industry which I was in for such a long time, you understand the real pain points of what customers need and want. Mm-hmm. And I feel that well, understanding that was a real big factor in in why we were different to other other companies we knew what we needed to say in order to you know make things work and it's not anything that's you know not like dodgy salesmen and all this sort of <laughs> jazz. you know we're, we're, we're very ethical in that term um but you know just being able to um understand what customers need and i think that's hugely important you know with with anything which helped which helped massively with this yeah, and then sort of the, the geographical scale, like I said, sort of came from having high-quality installers in each of those locations, each of those sort of cities and markets. Is that right? Because that would have been – that was the other bottleneck you were talking about. You can't have one or one company that's reliable and does your – or one person who does your installations. You really need people spread out. Otherwise, you'd be constantly sort of yeah. flying them back and forth and all over the place. Yeah, we – we, 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 that's what I mean. We found it very, like we found it not very difficult, but we found that was a, that was a, a huge change in the business for us. But if we cracked it and we did it well, then that was going to be the kind of making of smart energy as a national solar business. Mm. Um, being able to install in, you know, Dubbo, Darwin, um, you know, Alice Springs or, you know, all Albany, you know, up in Carnarvon, you know, mm. Been able to do that um, was a huge um, mountain to get over, but we managed to 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 achieve that. And as I say, I think that's you know, part of the success in 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 last year when we when we did achieve third place in uh, in, in the uh, fast starters list. 
Yeah, and you mentioned also when everyone's in a little geography, like they're all in Byron, you're all in Newcastle, you're all hanging out together, you know, encouraging each other. You had a very tight-knit um, sort of work culture, which is great. What was it like scaling that as you added, I guess, more and more cities and obviously further away so you can't kind of hang out with everyone all the time and some people, I guess, swapping between geographies and you're breaking social ties or I'm guessing some of your staff weren't quite as nomadic as you either and maybe they don't want to move around as much or maybe they were. What was that like scaling up the people side of the sales force and the, um, you know, in, across such a dispersed geography which most companies don't really deal with? Well, I guess we've just got to thank the internet for that. Um, I might not be able to be somewhere in person, but I can definitely write something to a whole group of people in one go, you know. So we have um, groups online that we have where every single person communicates their day through this platform. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can always stay on top, but also give information, training ideas, um, different methods, different um, reports uh, on 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 the industry, so you're training people, making them, not making them feel they are a part of the team, mm. um, and and helping people through. People have got questions, they put them into these the groups that we have. Um, it's quite a um, quite an interesting um, way that it just keeps everyone together. Um, we enjoy having you know, good get-togethers with the teams as well. Um, we try and move our Christmas parties around um, each year just to kind of make it fairer for, for each for each office to, to come along. But having that, you know, unity, we, we, a lot of the offices hang out with each other after after work, you know, they don't mm. just work and, and that's it. And I think it's really important to have that culture. Mm. Um, it's fun as well as you, it's fun, you're working in a great industry which you feel good about and it's ethical and, you know, the brand is something that, you know, people can be, can be pretty proud to say that they work for. Mm. And, and so obviously you've been in energy for a while, you've been in solar and, and you're sort of on the cutting edge, you've got a, a kind of finger in, in all the major hubs in Australia. W- what trends do you see in solar um, <clears throat> I guess there's always different aspects of, of the government involvement. There's different consumer attitudes. Um, do you see it um, continuing to grow, progressing, evolving, changing? How do you sort, I guess, from a technology, from a consumer point of view, what, what are you sort of seeing on the ground and being so heavily involved and um, with so many inputs from all over Australia? Well, the one thing, you know, Australia has some of the best um, rebates from the government um, probably in the world. You know, there's this federal rebate that's been around for quite a while, the STC rebate, which is what that's called. But more and more states now are pushing uh, rebates as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, helping people in their like, goal to get, get solar. We've just recently been selected for a New South Wales program called the Empowering Homes. Mm-hmm. Low-income houses can get solar with interest-free loans. You know, those sort of things are are great to incentivize people to get solar. Um, but that's just the, the, the hardware side of things. You know, there's more um, integration coming in in these products, which we're installing now, knowing full well that, you know, we can help customers utilize the next step of energy in not just Australia, but the world. Um, virtual power plants where you can store 
power in a battery and when the grid is in unstable or whether there's not enough power in the grid um, when and there's blackouts that they can the retailers can draw the power from the battery at that at that moment and the consumer gets heavily uh, incentivized to do that way more than what they would be getting from the grid at normal times um, so it's almost this um, this lending of power between uh, households to your neighbor and 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 that kind of thing which is keeping helping him helping keep people more in control of their energy but also you know protecting the the grid itself which you know is is pretty dated um, mm. you think New South Wales is a huge state and uh, you know, the the upgrades for some of some of that are going to cost thousands so having batteries and having this more virtual uh, world of, of sharing power is going to be the next big step um, so battery storage obviously it's been around for a little while but the technology software wise is 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 the next step um, for for energy and and smart energy as well and is, is that being driven out of companies in australia is that saying obviously the whole world's sort of looking at uh, the international companies who are providing technology but you're providing sort of i guess part of the you'd be part of the sales and distribution of those sort of things or or where is, I guess, the the real cutting edge work being done on that side? Um, I'd say Australia is up there with with some of the the best um, and most forward thinking um, push for this than anywhere in the world. Probably, I think, as I said before, it's such a huge country where the grid is unstable, and you saw, you know, Elon Musk building, um, you know, the huge battery in. Um, South Australia, mm. you know, the guy, the guy sends people to space, okay? Um, <laughs> so, you know, for him to be doing something like that in Australia when he's not done that anywhere else mm. shows that Australia is the one that everyone believes is the, is the future, I guess, of energy and, you know, of, of, of I, I think, you know, because of the sheer size of Australia and the, the space that there is here, it could be a global front runner in in renewable and not just obviously renewables, but energy itself uh, for the rest of the world. Mm. And so, speaking of obviously Australia, and um, you've been in business in a number of different businesses and different markets. You know, what trends do you see in entrepreneurship in Australia? You know, what are a lot of Australian businesses entrepreneurs doing well, and maybe where are they? Um, leaving room sort of for growth um, compared to other countries. Um, having uh, been in Australia now for you know five years, I've seen businesses start in that time, and you, it, it shocks you at how well they do. And we, we initially started with zero. I know it's not uh, Australian, but from New Zealand, but zero and um, zip afterpay. Mm-hmm. Um, these type of companies have, have, have come through, these tech startups, um, and it makes you, you, you know, you wonder, you don't really see these, you do see them in the UK, but maybe it's just so hard to get to the top. Mm. Um, you've got so many other companies to go through or so many big players to kind of, to, to eliminate and where Australia is growing so quickly and um, it, it, there's more opportunity for businesses, tech startups especially, to come through and trump the market. It's, um, it's amazing um, seeing companies like that do so well. 
you think there was, you know, zip pay and after pay of just moving, you know, they've moved to America and they're looking mm. at UK and, and that sort of growth is amazing and, and zero especially is, is something that, you know, you know, that's another amazing company that's done so well. And I think, as I say, I think this where Australia is such an isolated country. Um, it's, it's just the levels of seniority in a business are a lot. There's not as many levels because the mm. businesses aren't old. So I feel that people can get to the top very quickly or they're not far away from being able to, um, they're not, they're not far away from being able to just do it themselves, which you know, I'm an advocate for that because you know, that's exactly what, what we did ourselves. So I guess, yeah, you see the potential for a lot of people to get experience like you guys did sort of at the front line because the businesses aren't as big. Um, and But then also because maybe the landscape isn't quite as saturated or competitive, if you do want to strike out, you can really sort of do well. And obviously, again, some examples of Aussie and sort of New Zealand companies that have done well on a global stage and uh, and scaled beyond where they started. Um. And is, is there anything, I, I guess, room for improvement, you think? with it? So, so do some, um, you know, are there not enough people maybe starting businesses and that's why there's not enough? Are they not ambitious oh, enough expanding? Or I'd change it to just not enough people. Um, I just feel, you know, we do have a number of problems, which obviously we can go into as to why there's not enough people at the moment. But different uh, businesses are created by with different nationalities and different types of people um creating them um and people coming from different uh, walks of life will help develop businesses grow in different ways and um, so more people are needed from other countries yes we are going to go for, might go through a recession and yes there will be a lot of australians that are out of work as well um and it is important to help find those people work as well. But in order for us to build more bigger businesses and, and create more jobs as well is by, you know, people migrating into uh, the country to um, build a life for themselves, especially. Um, and those people are generally have a, have a, have a, I guess you could say they have more of, they have more drive than the average person, say, where, where they're from, okay, because they've decided to leave the country where they are to go and make something of themselves. You know, that person is more than likely going to become an entrepreneur a lot faster and that entrepreneur will then create jobs. Um, and I guess I'm saying this from from, from my own personal, mm. um, you know, my own personal achievements, what we've done since we've been here. We had last... You know, I think it was around two over well over two hundred um, employees. You know, at the business um, last last kind of checks. Um, so it kind of sums up my. Uh, it sums up what I've just said, basically. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen that myself. I'd say probably seventy or eighty percent of of the guests, especially this season that I've interviewed, have been uh, from overseas. They haven't. Uh, grown up in Australia um, and you mentioned part of it is people who have made a conscious decision to, to sort of go and do something and maybe be someone is there anything else you think sort of um, contributes like you're mentioning people are coming from more saturated market maybe they see opportunities where people who grew up here and haven't been in those more crowded markets don't see those or other your own theories 
exactly that. And hence saying, you know, about maybe, you know, being able to be connected for the, with the rest of the world um, is, is hugely, hugely uh, essential in that. And I'd say the main factor is that when I came here, I guess I worked in a market, an energy market, which is exactly the same as the way it is here. Um, it was deregulized 10, 15 years after where I was from. Mm-hmm. So the regulation and that development of the energy sector had been, it was way more advanced than it was in Australia, meaning that I, I when I came here, I, I, I already had a head start um, mm. than on most, most people working in the industry. And I guess that was where other... Uh, where, where most most people in Australia in that sector were 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 behind, but I think it's not. I'm not saying that there's anyone's fault or problem or that mm. you no know, people are less. Um, not they they are less advanced. It's just the knowledge was not given to them at the stage that the knowledge was given to me, and the the knowledge was given to me a lot earlier. And not just me. Every everyone had the access to that knowledge way earlier in the UK. Obviously, you could read about it from Australia, but you don't generally read about the UK energy market when you live in, in Australia and I doubt and vice versa. I didn't, you know, really know where to start. Um, so I guess that would be a major, major part, mm-hmm. a major part in, in why I feel that people that come from other countries uh, make a success in Australia is because the country they're living in has already developed that, technology or de- developed that 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 process already and you, all you do is just go to country, you just copy in what you already know um effectively um and it you know some people are doing stuff like that and it's groundbreaking yeah and do you see maybe the reason that's being done by entrepreneurs and not like why aren't for example the big energy companies in the uk the ones to bring their sort of um advanced knowledge skills people and sort of expand is it what do you think the attitude in the uk is the australian market too small too far away they've got too many legacy costs it's they're just not thinking that way versus like Um, someone like yourself starting afresh versus a a multinational you know launching a a branch office and a a new sort of office in australia for example well there, there are a couple of companies coming into the energy market from the uk um so they must be able to see something um that is different from the uk and i guess the the super competitiveness in the uk um and to be honest with you in in places in australia you've got victoria where you know the energy market is super super competitive um Mm. one of the competitive energy markets i've ever been in so i think australia's sheer size and um it it could be something that would hold people back Mm -hmm. um from from the market here because as i say you have to get power transport power over a much further distance than you do in the uk um victoria itself is roughly the same size so you know victoria is the most developed market here it was the first to get deregulated and that's the i think that's the point is why people will come here from other countries is the later it's been deregulated the newer this all is um so slowly but surely the energy market will will um will catch up with the rest of the country or the rest of the world. Uh, just talk about New South Wales, Queensland and those mm. sort of places. Um, Western Australia at some stage, it might happen to at the moment, you've just got one energy retailer, whereas you don't have a choice in you know on who you go with. 
and maybe that will change or maybe they'll look at the rest of the world and the UK and, you know, uh, South Australia, they'll look at Victoria and go, do I really want to do what they've done um, with power? Why don't we just use a future technology and bypass going through that whole changing energy retailer um, nonsense that some people will <laughs> will look at, I guess. It's not nonsense at all, but you know what I mean? Like that's, mm. that's how probably be looking at it from from the outside looking in right now whether or not it's worth them them making that change yeah and then so if you were giving advice to a younger you or even someone who's maybe 18 or 20 right now doesn't really know what to do and what to study what sort of work um and is a bit unsure um looking back with what where you've been and what you've done what advice would you give either that younger version of you or someone who today is that sort of age and again at a bit of a crossroads especially with everything going on at the moment maybe they're, they're a bit just unsure or their plans are sort of still up in the air what would you say to them um well, I definitely should have stayed in energy. Um, well, I obviously dipped out a couple of times. And I guess I was selling something that I was enjoying selling. Um, you know, I was changing people's energy retailers and they were happy because they were finding a cheaper plan mm. or, you know, switching somebody to a, a rene- renewable energy company because um, they wanted to go green and, and that's actually, you know, quite, you know, it's a good feeling. Um, as I said before, it's like, like almost charitable work um, in a way, uh, which, which I obviously enjoyed, but I didn't know that I, it, that I couldn't get that from something else. So I, I thought I'd try other things to see if I could get that same excitement uh, in other roles. And I guess, would I say to my 18, 20-year-old self, go and find out that out for yourself? Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. But I wish I'd already known that rather than dipping out into you know, other industries to, to try and give it a go. Um, so I guess that would be trust, trust yourself and, and back your own ideas. Um, hugely important. Um, and don't be afraid to make a change, um, which I never was. Mm. But you know, there's always regrets after doing certain things and, you know, changing jobs like five, six, seven, eight times in, in one year just to try and find that industry and that, that field that you, you want to enjoy working in um, 100%. I mean, I dipped my toe in recruitment. I dipped my toe, obviously, into um, event sales. I, I, I dipped it also into uh, – I was on the phone brokerage um, – foreign exchange, you know, all these different types of things that I now look back on and even going for a training course and um, starting maybe for a few weeks or a few months at these businesses, I learned loads about different industries and also different ways in which businesses are run and what people like and what people don't like. So mm. the way that I've done it was I've almost, it's fallen into place without me really meaning for it to happen, but I'm glad that the way that it did happen because it's developed me in understanding what I really and truly want. I guess coming to Australia a lot sooner would have been a good idea, but had I not come to Australia when I did, I wouldn't have met Elliot at that moment. You know, he wouldn't, there's no way he would have come. He was 21 when we met in Australia. He, he would have still been in the UK if I'd have come five years before. So 
you know, sliding doors moments. Um, had I not come at certain times, or had I not made the decision that I did, I would never have, or I wouldn't have found that niche at that moment, and I probably wouldn't have done it, you know, without without my, uh, Elliot as well. Yeah, so sort of a mix of sort of trusting your gut, but also, like I said, trying different things, and then I guess once you've really tried it, listening to yourself, like you said, realizing the energy was what you enjoyed. So you enjoyed sales, but then obviously each industry is quite different and aligning the product, the industry um, and the type of job with yourself as well as obviously just general sort of circumstances um, playing out the way they play out. Make lots of mistakes. <laughs> um, you know, that's, the, that's what that basically means. You know, make yeah. lots, and lots, of, like, lots and lots of different mistakes, of course. But, yeah. you know, leaving jobs sooner and, and whatever else, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that. It was probably a mistake or even a mistake starting the role in the first place. But what did I learn from that job is that I'm not going to, that is industry is not for me or mm. that field is not for me or that doesn't, I don't enjoy that. So making that mistake made it better for me. But I guess seeing other people at certain ages be a success as well, I never, ever let that phase me if that makes sense. Like seeing friends at 21 earning good money or mm. having a car or buying a, getting a house way before me, I've never really cared about. I've cared in a friend way, like being mm. supportive, fantastic, well done for doing that. But I've never, I always thought my time will eventually come. Mm. And uh, I always believed that. And I guess coming to Australia was a bit of a, um, you could say not not a, a crisis moment, but it was. Uh, I was making a drastic change, mm. drastic change to my life, um, and you know, again, it's all for it. It fell into place. So take those risks, make mistakes, and trust myself. Yeah, absolutely. And so a final point, looking to the future, where do you see sort of smart energy in, in five or 10 years? Mentioned a bit about technology, obviously constantly increasing in geographic footprint. What's the longer term sort of vision, um, goals, uh, thoughts, strategy for sort of the next five to 10 years? So short term is uh, growth to, um, you know, a strong, re, re, I guess, regrow the business um post post covid mm -hmm. you know with the new implementations that we've done we are definitely going to make some huge changes this year and one of those being is more of a full service energy company rather than a full service solar company mm -hmm. so being able to be someone's only contact for their energy bill mm -hmm. and their solar uh, all, all together is a short-term, um, the next step for smart energy. That is the next step. Rolling that out across as many states as we possibly can, giving customers the opportunity to have something which is quite unique, um, which we will obviously go into detail um, down the track. Mm -hmm. Um, international um, development of the business. Um, I guess you could say the easiest way for us to do that would be to go to English-speaking countries first. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have a 
you know, a lot of people that have dipped into the business at some stage from where we're from, uh, back in, back in the UK. And that would be a, you know, good idea to maybe do something there. It would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Australia is where we all kind of want to be mm-hmm. and where we, there's still a lot to do here. Uh, we're not going to try and leave this market or leave the Australian market at all. It's our main focus because it's the, the best developed we feel than, than any of the, those other countries. If, if we felt that it would have been good in the UK, then we would have done it in the UK. Mm. Um, so the next term for the business, of course, is to you know become that full-service energy retailer, but... And, and but also look at inter, international development um, within the business uh, to you know take it really to the to the next level. Okay, excellent. A- a- any uh, final parting words for the audience? Um. Oh well, would like to say yeah. Thanks for everyone that's that's having a having a listen. Hopefully, whether you are at the beginning of your journey on becoming an entrepreneur or whether you're, you know, a seasoned pro has heard some things that resonate and also things that can help within that. Um, we just at Smart Energy, we want to continue helping Australians save, Australians save money. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to continue in helping the fight with um, climate change, whether any, you know, whether everyone um believes that or not but you know we definitely see smart energy being a, a help regardless of what people believe in in to every single australian mm. whether it's to save money as your goal or whether you want to save the planet it's up to you you know smart energy will uh, will help you in in any way we can excellent thanks so much bro no worries thanks mate thank you for listening I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and leave a review. Better yet, tell a friend about it who you think may enjoy the content and get something useful out of it. Feedback, comments, likes or dislikes, you can reach me by emailing Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404 689 897. Thank you.